You're listening to a podcast by Oak Magazine. I would like to acknowledge the Dja Dja Wurrung people as the traditional owners of the land on which this episode was recorded. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. You don't plan to have a business in another country, but that's how it panned out for Chris Edwards and it's working well. Chris followed her husband to Singapore as a trailing spouse in 2008 during the global financial crisis. She struggled to find a job that matched her strong marketing background, skill set, and pay expectations, and instead found herself stuck between jobs that didn't excite her. Chris is the person everyone asks for recommendations on everything across Asia. And that's why she started Honeycombers, a digital lifestyle magazine in Singapore, Hong Kong, and Bali. This serial entrepreneur is not only the founder of Honeycombers, but also Make It In Media, Launchpad, and a business coach. Chris talks about going into business with co-founders and picking up the pieces after they left, company values, hiring staff, and how a business coach helped her through a scarcity mindset. There are so many takeaway nuggets for business owners, such as if it's not fun and it doesn't come easy and it's not bringing you joy, stop doing it. Meet my friend and business coach, Chris from Honeycombers. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the podcast. Oh, hi, Kimberly. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I feel like I'm letting everyone in on one of my best kept secrets, and that is you um, <laughs> for Oak. Uh, we've obviously, we've known each other a short time. Uh, I think it's only been a couple of years, but it's been for me the best few years with my business. Like I have noticed such a shift in my attitude and even just looking forward more. So not just working in the moment, um, but really having a really future outlook for my business. Um, so thank you for that. And I can't wait to share you with everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, that just gives me goosebumps. That's so nice to hear. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, I was thinking just for those that are listening, um, the way that Chris and I know each other is through Odette. Uh, Odette, I think I've spoken about many a times on Instagram, um, in the magazine. Odette owns Hack Your Own PR, which is the most fabulous course that you need to do if you want to, you know, get your brand into media. So whether it's print, digital, TV, radio, the whole gamut. Uh, and Odette introduced me to you or vice versa. And um, yes. oh, it's, it was just magic actually that it all worked out. And I knew as soon as we hooked up on that call, um, like I just had to have another hour with you. I was like, oh my gosh, can I oh. swap an hour and just keep absorbing <laughs> whatever knowledge? Oh, yes. No, Adette is a fantastic connector of people and her sweet spot is media. So um, yes, she's 
she's great with that. Well, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast talking about Odette, but <laughs> I want to talk about you and your businesses because I, I think it's really unique uh, in terms of what we've shared through Oak before. Uh, so, you know, the, the business or the main one that you own is is actually outside of Australia, uh, which is incredible. Um, let's go back a bit as always, sort of to the start. Um, how did you come about running your own business? Yes, well, um, I moved to Singapore as what they call a trailing spouse, which is a terrible term. But um, yeah, I moved to Singapore because my husband's company opened an office up there. And I um, I just reflected on this this morning. It was 2000, January 2008, I moved up there. So it was the beginning of the um, financial crisis and I could not get a job. I was like knocking on all the doors. I had a really strong marketing background in um, my work in Australia and I ended up working in, for a publishing house for six months and I hated it. It nearly killed me. I was like tears at work, all that jazz. Uh, and, yeah, then some friends approached me from Australia and said we're creating websites that we want to monetize um, and their background was uh, I suppose design and tech and they wanted me to come in and do the commercial side of it and um, yeah and from that relationship we actually came up with the idea of Honeycombers and those two um, partners soon after we launched maybe three months after we launched decided that they didn't want to do it anymore. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. The honeymoon um, period uh, rubbed off. Very quickly. <laughs> really quickly, very quickly. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the time I was the only one in Singapore. Uh, strangely enough, they were travelling the world and living in Mexico at the time. Uh, so it, it kind of made sense. They were kind of like just trying lots of new things. Uh, and, yeah, I said, well, look, I'll take Honeycombers as my one-third ownership of the company. And there was two, two other media platforms and they sold those off. And, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. But... As I suppose a lot of things start, they kind of start very accidentally, don't they? And it was very different um, to what it is today, uh, um, as many things do grow from a small start. But, yeah, it was really just a, a website. And I should explain, Honeycombers is like a, a, gu a city guide. So it's a lot like Broadsheet or Urban List in Australia, but it's a city guide to Singapore, Hong Kong and Bali. And it really started with me writing very short 300-word snippets of um, great places to get coffee or great places to shop, um, great places to really, I suppose, get under the skin of the city. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it started, all by a lot of adversity, really. <laughs> and I can't believe, like, you've held in for so long, really, like, given that it was, you know, a partnership that you started with and then that sort of broke down so very, very early, but still have been able to grab it, hold it and make it your own. Has there been any transferable skills from that background that you had that you've been able to apply to Honeycombers and have helped in its success? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I studied marketing and commerce at uni and then I had a, a marketing career. So I worked in marketing in the, in the, retail food sector in Australia um, and then my six months working in publishing was just so rich in understanding how to create a, it was really print magazine that that's what I was responsible for 
So I learned how to create a rate card. I learned how to work with um, media agencies. I learned how to work with editorial teams. So I really, I suppose, understood um, how that business looks and that gave me a little bit of confidence. Not a lot because there wasn't a lot of digital skills in that business. It was very old-fashioned print. But, um, yeah, I, I, I suppose it gave me enough to get started that I could lean, know where to go to lean on um, some people to help me out. So when I started Honeycombers, I actually started working with a, an agent who sold media space and they weren't able to sell me a lot of media space on Honeycombers, but they definitely helped me get Honeycombers on the map of the media buyers in Singapore. Yeah. It's really like back then, I mean, an online website as such as Honeycombers would have been quite unique. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I used to um, go out and pitch to people and they'd be like, so it's an online magazine, right? So where, where's the magazine? Mm, yep. <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, it's all online. It's on a website. And they're like, oh, so it's a blog. And I'm like, no, it's not a blog. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really interesting. And the other thing was, is um, from the beginning, we always had the model of selling advertorials first. So I didn't want to sell banners or, you know, traditional print like squares on the page. I really wanted to sell advertorial content. And that was a really great decision because advertorial content I believe it works better, Um, but more importantly, when you're starting out, you can sell it for a decent chunk because it's actually a whole piece of creative work. Whereas selling a square on a page, you really you're you're in a very much a commodity market. Um, So, have you ever been tempted by print, Chris? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. I think I've got a business plan to take Honeycombers into print. And actually we got sponsored by uh, the Singapore Tourism Board and we produced a quarterly print magazine for them. Uh, What was it called? Um, It it was something uh, something about Singapore by Honeycombers. So we did print for a little while, but it was a very different print because it was a contract print job. Um, But, yes, I do love print. but yeah, there's all there's so many things that I'm tempted by. Like I just, you know, have a long list of things that I, I, I'm like, oh, I could do that. Oh, yeah. I could do that. <laughs> now living in Singapore and being from Australia, like, is it very different in the way they work over there? Like, was there a bit of adjustment that you had to make in what you would normally do at home here in Australia? Yes and no. Like, luckily, uh, it's all English speaking. Mm. Um, but Singapore's a very complex um, place because it's incredibly multicultural. So, you know, Singapore is, um, uh, I suppose, predominantly Chinese Singaporeans, but then there's also a large Indian population, a large Malay population, a large Filipino population. And so, my team in Singapore right now, I think we have about 25 staff in Singapore. We literally, it's like the UN, you know, it's so multicultural um, and that that's great and it, it, we do have a really diverse group of people. But, yeah, you know, like that was my big struggle when I first um, got a job in Singapore. I just did not have the the um, cultural nuances or being able to, to read situations as well as I can now. And even now, you know, like I'm still pretty pretty bad and I have a really wonderful person on my team who is my people and culture manager and she is an Aussie girl who 
lives in Singapore but has this really rich connection with uh, her husband's half Singaporean. And, and actually my finance manager is also half Australian, half Malaysian. So I, I have these people around me who bridge it really nicely, who can really, and they help steer me a lot, um, you know, because and then the, the also the thing is, is the generational thing, right? Because a lot of our staff are really young and I'm like, you know, I'm going to be 45 in a couple of months. So I'm like, I'm actually outside the demographic of my readership in a couple of months, you know? So there's, there's a lot of things where you go, I don't really understand this, but I'm, I'm going to have to just find someone who can help steer me or explain it to me. But yeah, it is, it is quite different. Mm. How long did it take for honeycombers to take off? Like, was it something that was really instantaneous or you at least saw the potential in it or has it just been a really hard gradual slog? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I started honeycombers in December, 2008, I'm pretty sure, or nine, I can't remember, but I should remember. We're just talking about this (laughs) because I had my daughter, 10 months after I started the business. So, um, and the reason I say this is because I was working whilst having babies and I had very low expectations on the business. I was just like, I'm just really happy that I can work from home, do something I enjoy, work during the naps. Like it was, it was before work from home was a thing, right? And so I just remember like having her in a bouncer and having one foot rocking the bouncer while I was typing. And I, I, I was so happy that I could balance this role in life where I could have kids and be with them but still have this great intellectual and, and mental challenge. So the reason I say all of this is I had very low expectations. So my initial goal was all I wanted to do was to help pay for the, well, I wanted to pay for the wage of my helper because we had a live-in helper there. Also another big secret to how I was able to create a business and all these <laughs> things. Someone else was cooking dinner. Um, but yeah, so I, I had very low goals, but I really loved what I was doing. So I was, you know, I used to think to myself, why would I want to watch television when I could work? You know, like that was my whole thing. So I was, loved it. But um, yeah, so it really started to take off when my second child was born. So that was in about year three of the business. Uh, and that was when I employed, I think, my second employee. So it was really slow for the first two years. It really was just me on a keyboard and um you know, it wasn't, an, and my first employee, I, I didn't go, right, let's go out and employ someone. I had someone actually come to me and said, I love what you're doing. Can I please be an intern? And I was like, yeah, great. And uh, then they interned and then they said to me, oh, look, my parents want me to get a real job that has superannuation. And I was like, oh, she's so good. And I said to my husband, she's so good. What am I going to do? And he's like, well, employer, you goose, you can afford it. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I suppose I can. <laughs> but um you know, really um, very humble beginnings. Um, but, yeah, as soon as I had, I remember uh, we had a party for when we hit 50,000 readers uh, and that was when, yeah, Louis was a baby and I just had two staff and, yeah, it grew It grew very rapidly. Uh, so very slow for the first two or three years and then, um, yeah, I used to describe it like a, runaway train that I was just trying to hang on to for the next few years and that now it's kind of become very stable and and you know I suppose very predictable and easy now it's in a, a more mature 
stage. But yeah. Mm. Now I know we'll talk about challenges because obviously we've had COVID in there and, you know, we've all changed the way we do things. But just to go back to that point where you were mentioning hiring staff, I mean, you've, you've said this to me in some of our coaching sessions is to look within the community of those within Oak first. Like, I think it's such a good tip that sometimes it's the ones that are your cheerleaders that do make the best staff because they're already on your team. Exactly, exactly right. Like you definitely want people who love what you're doing and are, you know, in your corner and then you give them the opportunity to contribute and they're like, yes, because it, I suppose it all comes down to that um, working with purpose, right, you know, and that's kind of um what I was, yeah, reflecting on there that, you know, I had such um, passion and purpose for what I was doing. It didn't really matter. It didn't matter how many hours. It didn't matter what I was getting paid. And and when you're a startup, you need people that have that same enthusiasm because you can't compete on money and you can't compete on, you know, benefits or, but what you can compete on is this wonderful experience of being involved in building something that you're really proud of, which that's what everyone wants, don't they? Yeah. You know, that really wonderful sense of fulfilment. Yeah. So what have been some highlights then along the way? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, lots of highlights. Um, oh, I, I I won an award that I didn't apply for. That was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I won um, Entrepreneur of the Year Award for the Australian Chamber of Commerce in Singapore and didn't, didn't expect it, but, I, you know, uh, yeah, it was a real delight. Um, and then I remember launching into Hong Kong was really exciting. We had a big launch party and they had, you know, that the backdrop stuff that you have at really fancy events and it had honeycombs all over it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to find a media wall. Yeah. <laughs> media wall, that's the name. Yes. I was like, wow, look, there's a Honeycomb's media wall. Um, yeah, look, I think there's been lots of highlights. Um, being able to leave the business and, and move back home was a really big highlight and that was that was not without stress. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, as much as COVID has been really tricky and, and a real curveball for me and the business, like our revenues dropped um from one month to the next by 80%. It has also given me this wonderful new world where I can sit in Australia and manage a business in Singapore and Hong Kong and Bali. And everyone's like, yeah, of course you can. But for pre-COVID, it, it would have was harder for it to be seen as a normal thing to do. And so, yeah, yeah, lots of lovely highlights. So when that decision came to move back home to Australia, it was there ever like a little niggle there it's like well should I sell up before I come home or you always had the intention of building it so it was sustainable without you at the head being there present day in day out no um I did take it out to market and I got an offer on the business um which was really exciting um I turned down the offer which um you know I like really hard decision at the time um and I'm really glad that I've turned down the decision, uh, turned down the offer now. But you know, like I think three months later, I was like, "Why did I do that for?" <laughs> <laughs> Real torment. But yeah, I, I I was very worried about how it was going to work 
um, having, you, I mean, you don't plan to have a business in another cu- country. Like that's not a good idea. <laughs> but it's it's actually working beautifully for me now. So, um, yeah, it's all So we were talking about balancing kids and work Um, and, you know, I just think it's incredible what you've done, especially, again, just, you know, not being in the same country as your business and, you know, even being away from home and away from family support whilst, you know, having kids and that. How have you balanced? Has it for you, has it, because, I mean, obviously everyone looks from the outside in. And they just see people who have it together. Like, honestly, when you've got more than two kids, I think, um, people look at mums and think, oh, my gosh, look how they, I don't know how they balance it all, but they're doing really good. They've got a business. It's successful. How has it been, though, (laughs) I suppose, behind the highlight reel? (laughs) Yeah, um, and, yeah, I'm really happy to show what's and all. Um, You know, it, it has been a real roller coaster. Um, we were talking about just the other day. In fact, I I shared this with a group of entrepreneurs just the other day that, um, yeah, it was only 14 months ago. I just had a really tough time and I was, I just went into a negative spiral and, um, yeah, I was, I, I honestly, it was really bizarre because I'm innately a very positive and optimistic person, but something just flicked and I was just, doom and gloom and I was just forecasting the worst and I was just like but what if this happens but what if this happens and it was all just like the negative on negative uh and and that kind of came out of the fact that I did have this um massive revenue drop from one month month to the next and it was the same month that we decided as a family that my husband should stop work and they they kind of not really related, but it, it was like, oh, my God, I've got the whole responsibility of the family's finances and livelihood and I can't put my hand on my heart and say things are going to be okay. But, I, I, yeah, so I got out of that funk by just talking to a really great um, business coach who used a fantastic technique of um, really, I suppose, highlighting to me that, I was in a um, scarcity mindset and she actually did some tapping, which worked wonders. I don't know if you've ever done any tapping. Um, But, yeah, so tapping is a wonderful technique, a bit like, I suppose, meditation and journaling where you can just change your energy and change your your way or your, yeah, I suppose it's your energy and your, your status quo by um, tapping on like key meridian points in your body. Anyway, pretty woo-woo. I do live in Byron Bay. So, you know, I really have great access to all the woo-woo and I love a bit of woo-woo. But um, yeah, look, that and that was not the first time I've been in a complete like, holy shit, the world is ending, the sky's falling in. Like I think everyone who has a business has definitely had um highs and lows it's part of the journey right and uh my husband laughs because i do um have lots of highs and lows and every time i'm like oh my god yes 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 and he just says oh we're up ready for it everyone (laughs) get ready for the crash you know because it is like yeah it it is like you know big highs and big lows Mm. and and i I love it you know it is because i'm on high right now. <laughs> we love it, Chris. I'm not sure everyone else in our households love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. probably the same yeah. here. There's obviously a lot going on with, it. and sometimes it's just that the balls are all up in the air at the same time. You know, so for me, you know, the mag's about to come off the printer. Um, you know, the podcast van is sort of getting half done. There's the audio version in the the mix as well, and oh, just a couple of other things. And it's just like, oh, I just um. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm on a high or a low at the minute. I think I'm just in the spin, like that that roller coaster bit that goes around, just waiting to be shot out on another end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a ride, isn't it? Mm. But to seek help, you know, um, and to talk it through. So, is that going to become something that you do more regularly? Do you think? Um, I don't know. Um, I. I... I kind of like to dip in and out of um, leaning on different resources. I mean, I definitely have um, people in my life that I talk to that are not coaches, but, you know, like my husband or my dad or, you know, my best friends. But um, I I definitely am a talker through everything. But in terms of, um, yeah, I suppose I'm a a little bit wary of – not finding the answers from within a little bit too and I quite like I really like being able to know that there are resources there that I can lean on but um yeah I don't know I think it's great uh if you can and I suppose for every different situation there's there are so many amazing experts and counsellors and you know I definitely see people that are in a bit of a funk and I'm like, you just need to go and talk to an expert, you know, like whether it's a marriage funk or a work funk or a, uh, a business funk, you know, like I definitely think there's a lot of great people out there that can help you. Um, and I, I think that was a great lesson that, um, and, and, you know, I've had business coaches in the past and they've been really good, but I think business coaches are good to get you to a, a certain place and and you will always grow out of a business coach if they're a good coach, right? Because you'll learn everything you need to learn and then, you know, you kind of like, I don't, I, I need something new. Are you always stressing and guessing when it comes to your social media marketing? Do you feel like your effort doesn't bring the results you need or you don't know how to check? Well, you need to check out my friend Mac and Ernie. Erica McInerney is a qualified marketing strategist with 25 years real experience, putting advertising, marketing and social media to work. She's focused on regional and rural businesses, teaching you the skills and confidence to develop strategy, measure results and keep that content machine running. For free tips, follow Mac and Ernie on social media or head to macandernie.com.au to find out more. Now back to the show. And I suppose that's what you are to me. You're my business coach at the moment and it has, it's been incredible. Um, I think when you work on your own to have that sounding board and to have someone have those uncomfortable conversations with you, have you checked your numbers? Can you afford it? Let's run your numbers now. Because otherwise those numbers for me would just sit over in the corner (laughs) and I would ignore them. So it is that accountability. Um, Now, whilst you've been my business coach. You've also launched this other beautiful product called Make It In Media, which I think is incredible um, because it helps other people. You just share all your knowledge. I think that's what I love about it. And it can help so many people. Now, I missed out on the first, 
I suppose, what would you call it, the first cohort and had complete FOMO over it. So I've joined the second one, thank goodness, and I've loved it. What made you decide to launch Make It In Media? Um, well, I think I think I was looking for a new challenge and um, what's been amazing about Make It In Media is it's made me um, really look inwards at my own business and make sure that I'm doing everything, um, I suppose, more thoroughly and more textbook um, because I've kind of, I've thought about what are the, the core, I suppose, cylinders of a business, if you, if you may. And, you know, that's, that's how I structured the course. Um, and when I deep dive into those, I'm like, oh, actually, you know, honeycombers needs to be sharper around here or we need to clean this up a little bit. So that's been really great. Um, and I think, uh, look, overall, Make It Media has been, it's really lovely teaching it, but um, it's, it's quite a lot of work and I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to run it anytime soon um, because I've got other little projects that I've, I'm kind of working on that I feel um, are probably more scalable, like it's pretty niche. But, yeah, look, it's been anything that you do that's new and challenging, it's really, I suppose, a, a, a way to learn and upskill yourself. So um, every time I, I take on something new, it's, it's a way also for me to keep really fresh in my own business. So it, it feeds me as much as it feeds other people. Yeah. And tell me about Launchpad because that's the other thing that you look after as well. There's lots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is lots. There is lots. And actually when I went recently to Singapore and I was working on Launchpad and Honeycombers and then I had a Make It Media session, I was like, okay, I think I, think I might have a little too much on. <laughs> um but um, Launchpad is my new baby and it kind of came out of Make It Media in that the feedback from Make It Media was, yes, it, the content's great and, yes, it's great to have someone who's done it before in your industry because I think that's the thing about Make It Media. There's not too much industry-specific education for media businesses. Um, but the, the feedback I got was, what people loved the most was just meeting other entrepreneurs on the course that are in the same boat. And, and it's that sense of community and that's kind of where Launchpad came from. And I thought, this is what I need to bring to Singapore and Hong Kong for my advertisers and clients and, and friends in those communities. Um, and, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm kind of, I suppose, what I was bringing to Make It Media, I've kind of, amplified and, and doing it a bit on a bigger scale so it's open to all industries um, for Launchpad but and I do coaching calls in, in Launchpad and it just it's highlight of my week yeah. it's so wonderful yep yeah it's awesome is there more opportunity in Singapore than here like it just seems that things are working like Launchpad and Honeycomb has obviously worked so well over there is it yeah what why is that um, look, I think one thing is um, it's very different. It's very international. It, 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 I suppose I don't want to say it's a little bit behind, but, you know, Australia, I, I feel like America leads a lot of innovation in media, innovation in content, innovation in business, and I feel like Australia is very close behind um, and I feel like Asia is maybe a little step behind that. 
Um, yeah, so in some areas it's not. So in tech and, um, yeah, like Singapore is a massive tech hub and it's also um, a startup city. So there's lots of um, startups and there's lots of grants and there's lots of government focus on tech startups. But in terms of, um, I suppose, new product and content trends, it's, you know, like one thing I'm seeing here is, and I, I don't know why it's been on my radar, but looking at um, sustainability in hair salons, right? So I've been reading articles about these great hair salons that are doing everything they can to make sure that they're being more sustainable. And I'm like, to that Honeycomb's editorial team, we've got to find who's doing this in Singapore and write about it. And they're like, no one, no one's doing it here. You know, I'm just like, but this is what we all need to be doing in every sector. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, it's not happening yet. So, like, it, it, it is just, it moves at a different pace and it focuses on different things. Um, and, look, Launchpad's not out of the woods yet. It's very in its infancy. You know, we're not breaking even, but um, it's been, it's, it's tracking well. But, you know, like, it's not a guaranteed success yet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is a guaranteed success anyway? But yeah, it's it's another fun, uh, ambitious project. Yeah. But as you said once before, um, when I was talking about the podcast van, because um, I said, you know, that's for me is just this crazy idea that I haven't thought all the way through, to be honest. But isn't this the whole joy of having our own business, like running our own business that we get to do these things, you know, just find joy moments and if they don't work well you know so be it as long as we haven't yeah. sunk a whole heap of money in it but yeah yeah I absolutely agree with that and you know my big last message from my course the last cohort at Make It Media is if it's not fun and it doesn't come easy and it's not bringing you joy stop doing it you know like we're, we're we've chosen to be entrepreneurs because we we seek great adventure but great happiness from our whole life you know and it is more challenging but it should be more joyful but I do think sometimes look entrepreneurialism isn't for everyone right you know you have to be a certain type of personality you have to be very optimistic and very resilient you know and and not everyone has that and um yeah but you do it for joy so I absolutely agree you got to have fun with it yeah 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 totally what excites you about the future of what you're doing? <clears throat> um, I suppose um, but just the limitless possibilities of, of what, what we can do in our space. I mean, basically we, we talk about ideas, right, and concepts and, you know, like just this morning I was brainstorming on an event series, you know, like it's just it just it's so fun I just I don't know limitless ideas and then you can bring them together and find a way to commercialize them so they're sustainable and um you know like deliver impact and and make people think and make people you know like we say at Honeycomb is our our goal is for everyone to live better lives like just to have a better coffee or you know know a, a better park or a better experience like just to get the most out of life so yeah I suppose that's 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 it yeah and when you just spoke about sort of honeycombers and what you know valuing that whole better this and, and better that I think that's something that I loved getting to know about your business because obviously when you do have a business coach it's sort of more talking about your own um 
but through the course, I've got to know more about you and honeycombers and just how incredibly big it is, like the numbers in terms of how many website visits and um, revenue and all of that sort of stuff, but even things like your style guide and your values and I like these are the things we expect from a really large corporation. Has that taken ages to embed for you, those little things? Or was that something that you thought we need, like, you know, from experience having worked elsewhere, we need that style guide. I need to have a dashboard of my, you know, ins and outs, my expenses and what's happening up front. Yeah, um, it's a really good question. Um, so I don't have a style guide for honeycombs. It's one of the things on the to-do list and, you know, it is like, you know, so it's not all buttoned up. And then our values, we did, we have had them for a long time, but it wasn't until I did the Make It Media course, I was like, oh, my God, we need the values on the website. We need them more front and centre. And so that, that was the kind of the bit of the what I was referring to, the fine-tuning of my own business. That was a big one for me. And you know what's really interesting is my HR manager messaged me on Friday and she said, um, I'm, I'm doing all these interviews at the moment for this new role and everyone knows our values and everyone is so pumped up about working for us. And and we've, we've done a lot of work in that space. You know, we've done a lot around um, creating a, a really great work environment and um, doing things better than our competitors when it comes to being an employer. And it's now, you know, it's now kind of the word of mouth working and people are coming to the interviews going, I just I love the, what you stand for. But, it, but they're saying that because it's on our website. You know, they're saying it because we're shouting it louder. But, yeah, that's... That has taken a long time. There's always been like, I know I want to get it there, but there's always something else to do, right? It's always a long list of um, jobs in any business that needs to get done. But I think also when you get to a mature stage of business too, um, you have the luxury to go back and go, okay, I need to clean that up. I need to tighten that up. Um, and, yeah, and, and you know, Make It Medium was the um, – the mechanism to give me that if I'm going to teach, I need to walk the talk, right? I need my jacket completely buttoned up before I could get out on stage. And it really has helped me, um, you know, get those last little niggly things done. But yeah, I, I mean, it is almost 14 years I've had that business. So that's, it's a long time, it is, right? Yeah. Mm. And it still lights you up. Yeah, it does. It does light me up um, because I am passionate about, Look, the big thing is I like the opportunity to write about things um, that need to be spoken about and that's another thing in Asia, you know. So a lot of the media in Singapore is owned by the government and a, and a, lot, of, um, a lot of people in Singapore are very conservative um, and very frightened about what could happen if they step out of line or if they, you know, get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. And so... I really like having the opportunity to highlight really, I suppose, social issues that are important, I believe, to to kind of give a platform to. Um, and, yeah, and not only social issues but just, oh, I don't know, like talking about sex and abortion and, you know, gender diversity, like all this stuff that people would naturally want to shy away from. And I'm like, no, guys, this is like we are, we've got to be the change we want to see, as cliche as that is. And I don't want our kids growing up 
feeling ashamed or, you know, like the world is changing and we get the opportunity to lead some of this change. So that's a real privilege. Mm. And it brings me joy when I see people who are writers on my team writing about this stuff and I'm like, yes, good. Does that light them up too, do you think? Like to write yeah, about those topics, it, it's like, wow, look, I've, I've got freedom to do this here. Like this is an opportunity to, yeah, tap yeah. into this side of me that normally if you're, I'm assuming if you're a journal in another newspaper that that just isn't what you get to write about at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's hard to make sure that they're comfortable yeah. writing about it. So often we'll say, you can write about all this stuff. And they'll be like, oh, no, it's okay. I'll just write about the best cafes. And I'm like, that's cool, but I need someone, I need other writers on the team that feel yep. confident to go there. Um, but, yeah, not everyone does for sure. Mm. Oh, incredible. To wrap us up, my favourite uh, question is to ask you about a friend of yours that we need to know about. Well, look, um, I think it has to be Adele Barry. I, was gonna... I know we've already given her a plug at the beginning of this call, but um, Adette's um, an incredible friend and a very smart um, business person, very smart person. And I think if anyone listening wants to learn about how to get themselves featured in media, she's your girl. Yeah. Um, and she has a wonderful course that achieves amazing results for her students. So yeah. there's two plugs for a debt. You'll be buying coffee next week, my friend. <laughs> I think um, I know that those who go through Odette's course, like I just say yes to them when they come into my inbox because they do all the right things. I mean, there is a level of romancing uh, an editor when you want to pitch your story. Like, you know, it's, yeah, there are ways to buy me the red roses and the chocolates and all that in a print PR version. So um, I just love what Odette does as well and um, I just think she's an amazing human and I was only talking about her the other day I was sitting down with a former radio journo uh, and you know she sort of wants to get back in that space but on her own terms Uh, so she's you know got a little one now and and just wants to run her own business and said look I, I just don't know you know, how to go about that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to, you know, tap into Odette. Odette will help you, you know, become that, that PR machine and how it all works. So, um, Mm. yeah, my gosh, I could talk about her too (laughs) all day. I think she's amazing what she does and love to, um, to sit in on any of the courses that she does. Mm. Yeah. You can buy me coffee too, Odette. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, lovely well thank you so much for being a guest Chris um you have been an incredible support for my business in the last uh, couple of years especially during COVID and um yeah I, I just love catching up every month and the reason why I did the make it in media was because I'm like an hour is not enough an hour every 30 oh, days is not enough I need more oh, of Chris and um Look, admittedly, over those six weeks, I've got pages of notes and more work that I need to do. But um, yeah, as you said, it's it's about coming to a point in your business where you do need to go back and do a few of those things. So yeah, looking at the values and putting them on the website. And obviously, you had amazing guest speakers like Kate Toon, who is an incredible SEO queen. Um, You know, they're the things that you know need to be done. It's like, when am I going to get the time for SEO when I'm trying to, you know, um, post on Insta every day? So it's good to know that I can go back to that now and have some tips from her. Um, Tim Duggan, who was obviously just an incredible genius in media as well. Um, Yeah, you obviously know the right people. You do a 
fabulous job connecting us all as well. So, um, yeah, it's been amazing. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that and I'm so glad you got to join the course the second yes. time around. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it is great to have, um, I suppose, just a, a, a way to kind of keep growing. Like yeah. I think that's the, that's the challenge in, when you're in your own mm. business, right, is how do you keep learning yep. um, and, and, and getting positive energy into your, your business when you're kind of sitting at home and, and working on your own and just dealing with all the shit storms, right? Yep. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to swear. But, you know, um, it can get you down. So it is really nice to – and, you know, you know, I've told you this before, I love our coaching calls. I, I feel like I shouldn't be, shouldn't be charging you because it's just like catching up with a friend and giving you a few tips. So it's, it's very, uh, it's no, very it's, lovely. No, it's definitely helped. And, um, yeah, as I said, I, I literally can see the growth. Like I – you know how we were talking, or you more so, about the scarcity – mindset like I really think like if I can look back on Oak I can see when I was in that mindset myself um you know and, and it happens to a point still like coming into a new issue knowing like if I don't have any ads in the bank to start like there is that little seed of doubt that just likes it just sits there ready to sprout I think until I get some of that money in the advertising and then it happens and it's so interesting that when you have the money in that suddenly you've got this abundance and you think yes this is possible and I'm going to go do it this and yeah like I can totally see how that works yeah it's it's quite interesting once someone uh, I don't even know where I learn about the abundance and scarcity mindset but it really is once you see it you can see people living in scarcity and you can see people living in abundance but the other thing I was going to say is that's one of the terrible things about a media business it's like every month with my business you start at zero and you have to kind of climb up to break even you know and then so my month's always like like, are we going to get there? Yes, we've got there. Yes, last week I'm usually like, woohoo! But, you know, like it's it's like an every, I'm in 14 years in and I'm still doing this to myself. I mean, it's it's stupid really. It's exhausting. But yeah. it's, it is exhausting and I just, uh, I, I, you know, I think that's why I like the idea of doing different business mm. models that are a different revenue stream than, than um, you know, one-off contract, media yeah. contracts, which is kind yeah. of like, Media is not for the faint-hearted. You have to be resilient. No, no. and and Tim Duncan also said it's you don't go into media to make money either. So (laughs) I know choose a different industry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think I knew that going in. Thank goodness. Um, I think it would be a totally different ball game if I didn't. But generally you're in it because you love it though like you love sharing people's stories or sharing knowledge to to help other people um and to connect and yeah, yeah to build community so love yeah. it it's um, a very yeah powerful and privileged role, it is actually it? Yeah, yeah. it is it yeah. is well thank you again and um no doubt i'll see you online in a couple of weeks uh- <laughs> sounds good thank you so much for having oh, me you're welcome Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win. You can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.